Good morning, everyone. I'd like to take a few minutes to talk about the practice before we uh, do it together. Um, so, uh, in the retreat, we're kind of, um, in a way, slowly opening um, the field of our awareness to include more and more uh, phenomena different experiences that we have. They've been all, our life have been with us since the beginning, but we started by talking uh, about the breath, being aware of the breath, you know, and then the body sensations and the difficult uh, or painful sensations and the pleasant sensations and the mind states. Uh, we talked yesterday about mind states, so emotion, moods, uh, factors of mind, the presence of calm, the presence of joy, the presence of doubt. We included the hindrances in the mind states, you know, the strong desire to be somebody else or be somewhere else, or the, uh, the peace or the spacious mind or the spacey mind to notice. And then we're going to open up a little bit more today uh, our exploration of human experience to include. Uh, the presence of uh, thoughts and th the thinking process. And uh, again, you might have noticed it's been already happening all week, <laughs> but now we, maybe this morning, if it feels right to you, if, uh, if it feels like it's a, a, fe a good field to play with, um, you could follow along the instructions and go explore this. Um, so in the, in the practice of mindfulness, one way uh, to practice with thought is uh, to get interested not so much in the content, like usually we get kind of drawn in or entranced by the, the what is being said or thought or the series of image. We, like in the movie, huh, we get in the story. In the mindfulness, we try to be aware of the process of thinking that... Uh, thinking is happening now, you know, uh, that uh, think, thinking is a stop now, or thinking is starting, or, uh, or the charge of the thinking. Some thoughts you'll, you'll notice are just kind of a background noise, you know, almost like as if there was a radio in the back, and some thoughts are in the foreground, and they come with a charge, they come with a, um, even sensations, you know, they, they, they have intensity to them, they feel very serious, and they kind of, uh, we get caught in them, you know, so we can uh, begin to notice this, the quality, and the different qualities of the thoughts. Um. As with the mind states, with the thoughts, we can be aware of what we're thinking and help name, um, maybe uh, make categories for ourselves. Oh, planification, planning mind. Oh, that's what's happening. Oh, rehashing mind. You know, there's many little categories, and we all have our favorites, our favorite little addictions there, where the mind goes uh, kind of automatically or habitually. And so one can say, ah, you know, uh, uh, obsessive thinking about this one or that one or this thing, yeah. And uh, and again, in this practice, no judgment. It's not like thoughts shouldn't happen. Huh? Once I heard this, that was really helpful for me. Somebody said, you know, the mouth produces saliva. That's quite fine. The mind produces thoughts. That's quite fine. That's what it does. You know, you don't have to engage in a fight with it. Stop, you know. So in this practice, we don't fight with it. Like, you should stop, stop. And I shouldn't think this. I should think this instead. And start having an internal debate. We just notice, oh, that's what's happening now. Thinking has arisen. Thinking is happening. Oh, there's a lot to say in this mind about this, you know. And so we become kind of witness to what is happening, to the mind thinking. So the thinking doesn't have to be a hindrance to our practice. It can be included in the same way that a sound can come in, a thought can come in, and it can be clearly seen or heard, or we can be clearly aware that thinking is happening. 
And so maybe we could do just a little exercise um, before the big sit. And uh, if you want, um, just closing your eyes now, if you want to close your eyes, I would invite you to, uh, we'll do this little exercise of thinking uh, voluntarily. So if you want to, you could think this next sentence, which is, uh, you'll think, I am, and then put your full name there, I am, and I am sitting uh, here meditating. So voluntarily think this thought a few times, just to feel what it feels like to think. I am so-and-so, and I am sitting here meditating. Now, if you want, leave a little gap between every word, every word. Try to see what is there in the gaps. feel what is there. Now think this thought again a few times at the kind of regular speed, if I can say that. And drop the last uh, second half of the sentence. Keep just the first few words with your name there. I am so and so. A few times. How does that feel to say that? Then drop uh, your family name. Continue to say slowly the sentence and feel it. Now drop your first name and just keep the two first words and feel that. Now drop the verb, keep just the first word. and drop even that word. So that might have been interesting for you or not. Um, but it's just to one way a little bit to work with thoughts, become aware of the thinking process. In this case, it was words being said. Sometimes the thinking process is more like images. Are they still? Are they moving? Are they in color? You know? Do the thoughts that you have uh, come out of an emotion? Or do they produce an emotion? Or do they keep an emotion going? You know, so this is things we can be aware of, maybe in real time, not so much think about, but be interested 
uh, in thoughts. And maybe in this exercise one can feel that the nature of the mind is maybe not thinking itself. Sometimes we, thought the, we think the mind is made only to think. But in this, for me anyway, in this little exercise, sometimes it highlights that the nature, the kind of baseline of the mind is this awareness, this knowing. Sometimes there are thoughts in there and sometimes not. But there's a kind of an intelligence there, a cognition that is happening. And it can be with thoughts or without thoughts. And so you'll notice today sometimes the presence of thoughts and the absence of thoughts. And what happens in between thoughts? What's alive in there in between thoughts? So, little exploration around this. And again, I would say in my understanding in this practice, what we want to, uh, to do is uh, develop more and more a mind that has both uh, in it calm and energy. So a mind that has calm, has some balance to it, equilibrium to it, and that is curious, interested. So it might seem paradoxical that a mind could be calm and energized, but that's actually kind of a, we could think of it as the best mind to bring to any situation, to practice meditation and insight, but also to be uh, in relationships, to learn a task, to, uh, to be in difficulties, to be in uh, pleasure, a mind that is both balanced and calm, and also interested, energized. So see uh, today if you can bring this to the different activities you're going to do. Oh, how can walking now bring uh, calm and connection, engagement, something like this? How can sitting here this morning be a a way to gently cultivate uh, a mind that is kind of pacified and alert, alive. And let's see if we can do this uh, with thoughts and with all other experiences. So we're sitting here, suddenly maybe aware then there is a body, it's alive. Life is manifesting in this exact way right now. The body is sitting, feel that. And hearing. and breathing, nothing to do. Life is also manifesting through some mind state or mind qualities that you can recognize. Maybe you're agitated or rather calm, slightly joyful or discouraged. curious or not. And see if you can be there for the birth of the next thought. If you can catch it, so to speak, as it arises.
you could, if you want, count the thoughts, add them up. And be interested in what's between the thoughts. Are you emitting the thoughts or are they received? Are they heard or spoken or seen? Are they an expression of your mind state or mood or emotion? you're in, in your exploration of thoughts, you become a little confused or lost or caught in the thoughts, come back to your anchor. Come back to the breath, at the belly, to the hands touching, or to silence and sounds in the room. What happens to a thought when you become fully conscious of thinking, when you put the light, the full light of awareness on it? Does it crumble, vanish, or does it continue?
What's the difference between being lost in thoughts, caught in them, and aware of them? Where do thoughts go once they've been thought? Can you notice their ephemeral nature? Their dreamlike nature? their lightness, even those that might seem serious and important, they pass through a few minutes later, gone, forgotten. the mind gets caught in a nut of its own making, try to see if without judgment you can abandon that nut making, maybe just for a moment. See if it's possible for you to have a little uh, lightness of heart this morning. Some buoyancy of heart. Allowing thoughts to come in and out. The painful ones or the light ones or pleasant ones. But also the sensations, the perceptions, the images. Grasping at nothing, clinging at nothing, not even trying to own anything, just becoming aware of the passage of thoughts and images and impressions, 
sensations and sounds. Nothing to hold on to. Rivers of sounds, of sensations, of thoughts, of mind states. If you want to, you could try to uh, label the kinds of thoughts that pass by, if they do. Rehearsing, planning, commenting, judging. Rehashing, worrying fantasizing, moi-ing,
If we are um, not mindful, if we are somewhat unconscious of the thinking process, we might think, believe that our thoughts are a description of reality, our reality, and that's a bit tricky. Sometimes you see this in America, maybe in just on the parking lot here, behind the cars it's written, do not believe your thoughts, or something like this, you know? So it's good to... Uh, recognize that the thought is just that, you know, something being said in the mind, you know. So when you think, nobody loves me, this is a kind of occurrence of the mind, you know, maybe not an exact description of reality. Many of our thoughts are like this, you know, they stem from moods, you know. They, they express a mood more than anything about reality. Um, the Buddha, the great image that I have been, has been with me since I've heard it many, many years ago, he was, um, he was uh, talking about the plantain tree or banana tree we could think of. So you know the banana tree, how it has these beautiful, I know because in Quebec up north, you know, banana trees. <laughs> They have these big leaves, huh? this beautiful, bright green, amazing leaves and huge um, flower and uh, the fruits. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a very impressive plant, no? It's like, wow, like this. And the Buddha was saying our um, mental productions are a little bit like uh, these trees. So we're sitting here, you know, breathing in and out and suddenly there's, yeah, yeah but next week when I go back and there's a huge leaf, you know, and a flower, and suddenly production of bananas, you know, <laughs> and it's like, ah, and uh, and it becomes epic and dramatic, but moi, what will become of moi, and will people see moi, and, you know, <laughs> and this big thing, and the Buddha was saying, and uh, at the core, the banana tree trunk has no hard wood, it's empty at the core, so when it bears its fruit, after it falls flat, on the ground, and then it's composted, you know? And so we're sitting here, that's our experience, I, I certainly mine, sitting here, so it's like, oh my God, you know? Past production, huge banana production, you know? And like 10 minutes after, it's like, boom, it falls on the floor, I'm like, oh yeah, meditation, hall, <laughs> you know? Until there's another uh, tree that arises and make a big production again, you know? And so we can bring some humor to this. Oh, yeah, I'm, this is what's happening here. You know, there's this, uh, this, uh, this tree that seems so powerful and but empty at the core, you know. So then we can use this, like the fruit of the banana, we can use to nourish ourselves and wake up, you know. Oh, look at that, what's happening. Become awake to this. Anyways, a little image the Buddha. Questions about the practice or the bad news of last night? Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, kind of a general rule, I would say, is uh, if something is confusing or doesn't feel right or feel I get caught in it, I can always abandon it and come back to something that works for me. So don't feel today like you have to do this. That's kind of first thing I would say about this. The second one is that's why we bring it later because it's kind of tricky. You know, it's like, oh, I can start thinking about thoughts and then I, where's what, you know? So having a great ground into the senses is really good to know that, oh, yeah, I can hear, hearing is happening, you know. And then if a thought comes by, just notice in a very light way, don't maybe not make it like the absolute object today, but one of the different things that might happen, that you might notice a mood at some point. Oh, I'm dejected. Oh, dejected feels like this, you know. Or, oh, there are thoughts. Now there's a lot of production of thoughts. Being aware of it, grounding in the body again, the, breathe, the breathing, the hands resting, the stepping. Yeah? And um, so we don't want to start thinking about this. What in mindfulness, we want to be aware of a phenomena as it's happening. You know? And 
with thoughts, sometimes when you put your attention on it, if it's not to charge, it's going to actually vanish. You know, if there's a little thinking and you turn your attention to it in a way, it, it's kind of going to disappear. So then you could live it at that, gone. It just revealed this ephemeral nature. One of the use of thinking that we do in this practice is labeling. So we use the thinking process to actually label stepping, stepping, lifting, moving, placing. When we use the thinking process in this way, it's to direct to experience. It's not to produce thoughts. It's to kind of frame experience so we can feel it. So I'm here like this, and I'm like, oh, agitated. Oh, so I just put the frame so I can actually feel the agitation, yeah? Or if I say hands touching, it's not so I can stay with the thoughts, but to direct the attention. So in the exploration of thoughts, that would be the same thing. I wouldn't want to start thinking, being discursive about what's happening, but just uh, use a thought maybe to name like, oh, planification, planification. When you say that, you can see, does the planification continues or not? If there's a little charge, what you'll notice often, for many of us, what it'll do is, please, 20 seconds. I just need 20 seconds to complete that kind of uh, fascinating thing that I've said exactly the same words 10,000 times, but please. And, you know, there's a kind of negotiation. It's like, no, no, I'll go back to the breath, but let me, th you know. <laughs> And so then what is revealed is there's a kind of a clinging. I have a teacher who says, if you think three times about the same thing, there's some clinging going on, probably. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, so if you go back, like, so how many hours before the retreat ends? It's like, eh, this, and it's like 48, and depending on, okay. So, okay. How many hours before the retreat ends? So then you can notice this. It's a, it's a tricky field to be in. That's why we bring it later in the retreat. And you don't have to pick it up, you know. And you might let it happen naturally. And, uh, does that help a little bit? Okay, thanks. Yeah. Do not go there. Yeah. So I think I think it's a good field for you to explore today, and so. Um, I would want, I want to honor this, that I don't want to give too many answers because I want you to, uh, to explore this. And so explore the apath apathy that could come or anything else, you know. That, uh, and for sure, the end result of this path or what we want is not to develop apathy or disconnection or uh, dissociation. This is not, and, and you might have noticed that what we've been talking a lot about is intimacy, closeness, you know? And what mindfulness does is it gets really close to things. It's not in its ideas about stuff. It's, it's actually going in the sensations of pain. It's going in the moods. It's entering, but with a lot of sensitivity, so the closeness, so we can, you know, attention is a little bit like water going in a sponge. You know, it enters the phenomena. It goes, it comes close. So now we're entering thoughts. We're not entranced by them, which is a very different thing. Now we're waking up to thoughts. So that's what we're, we're trying to notice. What is this phenomena that I'm driven by all the time that makes me say things and do things and see the world? And, like I want to wake up to it. And so in this, my sense is there's many things that can happen. Is One can start to see that some thoughts are more useful than others less troubling, less stress-producing, are more helpful along the way for myself and for others, Make, bring, helps bring clarity. So, for example, the th kind of thinking of like 
what is actually happening now? It's a thinking, but it's not the thinking of ideas about stuff. It's a thinking that helps me enter reality, you know? So by being attentive like this, I think there's some things you might notice, like a harsh thought of, you know, like I was saying last night, maybe transgressing what is possible to be said in this hall, you know, I was saying, you, come on. You know, you might notice that this kind of thought is actually not onward leading, not liberating, but entangling. That's kind of a way that I think about this. Oh, this kind of thought, is this a kind of thought that is entangling or liberating? And with paying right attention, it becomes intuitive, it reveals itself. So by paying attention to at some point, if there's like, oh, as I was saying last night, often I'll say to me, oh, it's hard for you, Pascal, right now. It's hard for you. I see that this is not entangling. This is liberating. It's helpful for me. So it's a kind of thought that I'm like, oh, this kind of thought. And that was the Buddha said something like this. He's like, oh, I made two piles of thoughts. You know, I make a pile that was liberating and a pile that was entangling. The pile of entangling, I didn't feed, I didn't nourish. The pile that was liberating, I cultivated, I appreciated. And so that might be one of the things you'll see today. And you might see that some thoughts, some ideas you really feel strongly about, justice, let's say, you know, and oppression, something like this. And then you'll be able to notice, because you'll be mindful, this kind of thought I want to, uh, I want to entertain, I want to cultivate, I want to honor, value. And when it's the same kind of thought, but it comes with hatred, oops, it's a different kind of thought. Like I'm seeing the nuances between these two. Looking for justice, passion for justice, hatred. Oh, it's another field. Whoops, I'll put this one in that pile, because it's not helpful. Yeah? Something like that. Thanks. Yes? So I, I have, I'm not sure I'm following you well, and I, I, the problem is really from this side of reality. <laughs> so what I would say, and you, please give me feedback if I'm, I'm with you on this, if there is the wanting mind, that you notice the wanting mind, like, want, I want this, I want that, the practice of mindfulness is not that you shouldn't want or that this or, or that you should be entranced by it that's the middle path the middle path of this practice here is not being entranced by all the wants and if i have that i have that and not to oppress that or suppress that but just become mindful awake in it how wanting feels like this so then you don't have to believe any prior idea about oh you shouldn't want or you should want or this or that but just be alive in and that's why we create this laboratory here for a week, so that one thing can arise and one can be awake to it. How does it feel? And with quality soaking, that's how I, I think of it. It's like when there's a mind state, I don't want the mind state to go away too quickly. I want it to be there and to be well known. I want to soak in the resentment. I want to soak in the calm. I want to soak, and even if I didn't want to, it would happen anyway, <laughs> because these things have their natural duration, you know. So if there is wanting, I actually want to be awake in the wanting. Not totally allured by the thoughts and images, but awake to the process. What does it do to me? And I'll, I might notice that some wants are beautiful and liberating, and maybe some wants are entangling. They create a sense of lack, you know. And so for me, one of the things that became clear in practice is that before I believed that my desires were talking about happiness. If you get this, you'll be happy. Like there's this little voice here, like happiness this way. And the more I paid attention, 
For many of these desires, suddenly, the actual experience, although it seemed to be talking about happiness over there, the actual present experience was an experience of lack. So I would be in a beautiful environment where people cook for me, where there's deers walking around, nobody annoying me, everybody's forced to be in silence. <laughs> you know, it's kind of paradise-like experience. And then I would be in lack because this person or this thing is not here, you know? And I was like, oh, hold on. So this kind of desire is not my friend as I thought, you know? It's actually, it's actually making my life miserable, you know? Like I've spent a lot of time wanting to not have the dis-ease that I have, you know? Oh, if I didn't have that disease, if I didn't have that... And one day I was like, hold on, what's that? Like it's complete disconnection from my life, from real life. And suddenly I was like, I actually want to be in this life. I don't want to be in the made-up other one, you know, like that is, every time I come back here, it's like a downer, you know. I actually want to be in this one, you know. Does that? Or tell me more if not. Mm. Any one of us having something to say about this? No, but it's like that poem in Kyoto, I long for Kyoto. Oh yeah, that's so beautiful. Do you know this uh, poem, or is it a haiku or a poem? There's a haiku that says, when I'm in Kyoto, I long for Kyoto. <laughs> so it's kind of like... This is so beautiful. We just really want it, and we don't want to miss it. And there's a holding on. So, yeah, yeah. just reminded me of that koan. So notice that. Be with that, you know, and be kind to that, you know. Be compassionate with that, and hold that well. And then what you'll see is the passing nature of this. Probably, you know, the bittersweet will become only sweet or only bitter, and then it will move on to something else. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. So we have to stop here, good friends. Today is our last complete full day of practice. Tomorrow already things are going to start switching in, in some ways. So this is very, very precious day of practice. It might be your last for a while. Maybe you're happy at the, this thought. <laughs> Maybe you're sad at this thought. But still, there's something special here. Be careful not to... Uh, you know, there's something, there's an opportunity here, even if it's uncomfortable, if it's difficult, there's particular conditions here that you can probably use, whatever state you're in, you know. You don't have to deny your state, you can bring it along in the walk, you can bring it along. Take good care of yourself and, and uh, see how, what is your... Um, uh, there's a word I'm looking for, I won't find it, but what is your own way of being uh, mindful? And, and ditch the word if it creates a little skin reaction when you hear it now. You know, what is your way to be alive, to be there? What is your own uh, uh, natural way, organic way to do this? The Buddha, uh, when he found this practice, he went from, this was one person who was looking for pleasure everywhere, in every way they could, then they find out that didn't even work so well. They're looking for pleasure, like sex, drug, and rock and roll kind of thing. And then they went into kind of a harsh practices of like studying like crazy how to get certain mind states and being really harsh with themselves and demanding and sitting for hours and standing only on one feet, eating one grain of rice a day. You know, they became really demanding, like we do in sometimes in studying and work, you know, like and suddenly they had this memory, and this is the turning point for the Buddha or Buddha to be. They had this memory, it's like, oh, well done. When I was younger, like eight, nine, I remember just in the summer sitting under a tree and just being there with the wind and with the insects and being attentive, plugged in, in a very natural way like children do. Maybe this is my way. Maybe the worry about pleasure and accumulation of pleasure doesn't work so well. And maybe like... Uh, being so intense and so struggling doesn't work so well. Maybe there's something that we could call the middle path, which is 
a natural connection with what is happening inside and outside. Very organic practice. So please, find your organic way to be, uh, to, to own your own middle path here. Okay? Have a good one. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.